Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Welcome to Wheels Off a show about the messy reality of the creative life. I'm Rhett Miller. That's when it got wheels off. We started up and we ain't gonna stop. Oh, I like you, like it not. That's when it got wheels off. Fred Armisen is a musician, actor, and comedian. He was one of the longest tenured SNL cast members, making a name for himself as a terrific impressionist, and a versatile character actor. His consistently hilarious show, Portlandia, just wrapped after eight seasons. His Netflix comedy special, Stand Up for Drummers, is a favorite among comedy fans as well as musicians. And his sweetly funny new Amazon series, Forever, is impossible to discuss for fear of spoilers. He's joined us after a day spent behind the kit working as the band leader on Late Night with Seth Meyers. Welcome, Fred Armisen. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest is Fred Armisen. Hello, Fred. Hi, how you doing? I'm really good. How are you? Good. We know each other already. Yes. FYI. And we, we did a video. That, it's funny because the staging of the video was a lot like this, right? It was similar. It was kind of like that MTV 120 minutes yeah. style. Things like, are askew. Yeah. Well, you'd never line it up. No. But backstage, it would be lined up. It'd sort of flatten it all out. But for things like this, it's all askew. Yeah. And Fred and I really liked it. It's probably not in camera, but there's MySpace stickers on these cases. MySpace. How sweet was MySpace? It was so sweet. Compared to Facebook now. And I remember MySpace was also like, I think you would put up pictures of your friends. Like, these are my eight friends or 16 <laughs> friends. <laughs> Why was, was it so, always, yeah, like some... There's this even number of like, pick, you know, show your top whatever. And it was such a funny thing to do to other people. Like, you're not on this list. Oh, my God. Yeah, I forgot about that. Um, so, okay. So, I want to start by asking you... Uh, what project are you working on right now, and why is it exciting to you? I'm working on a project right now called Los Espookies, and we're shooting it in Chile, but I was just there in Santiago. We're shooting it, and then I'm going back to do more, which is why I have facial hair, because I, I have a mustache in it, and I didn't want to just have a mustache. I, I'm just growing the whole thing out, and then when I have to shoot, I'm just going to shave this. That's the way to do it. Yeah. Just it'll be a little easier that way. And it's um, mostly in Spanish. Are you fluent? Yeah, my mom's Venezuelan. Oh, that's fantastic. Fantástico. Muy, sí, muy fantástico. Puedo hablar un poco de español. No, sí. es muy bien. Gracias. <laughs> El señor Rhett. Uh, anyway, so I'm, I'm um, working on that. That's what I'm most excited about in the, at the moment. And now, is that something of which you were a writer or is it a script that you um, found? It's almost more like I, I started it. I had this uh -huh. idea. And then these writers, uh, Julio and Anna, uh, wrote the episodes. There's six of them. And um, 
it's about people who like to scare people in like a Latin American country as their job is like scaring people. Los spookies. Yeah. Oh my god, that sounds great. Yeah, it's so far it's been it's been. I'm, you, I'm really glad. I'm really glad about it. I the only re, the reason I wanted to do it is to do something where it, it's all in Spanish so that I get to speak Spanish. You know. Um, and you only play one character in it. I only play one character, and I'm not in everything. Okay. It's like these four people. I just kind of wanted to try something where I'm not in everything. I've done a lot, so I like the idea of like just tiptoeing backwards and letting other people kind of fill in. Do you see? I don't know, like I don't know um, how much artists th- think about the art they're doing, or comedians think about what's funny. But is it weird to be funny in Spanish? Is it different? Um, it's a challenge because you take for granted. Like, hey, these lines are funny. They're, you know, these are funny lines. And it's, of course, it's going to translate into Spanish. That's not necessarily the case. And we, I really don't know how it's going to turn out because we're just shooting it right now. It might not be funny. I see. Like, I just wonder, is, is there a cultural thing that makes something funny that, like, doesn't translate uh, via Google Translate, you know? Definitely. And I think it's like when, when I, I like watching stand-ups from other countries and... I like I went to see an Icelandic stand-up show and I think unfortunately it doesn't translate. I think it stays in that language and that's where it's funny. Um and just like I think what works for us is British and and American comedians. That's it. Or Canadian or New Zealand or whatever, Australian. But it's I think it is a difficult thing. Yeah. I, um it's funny cuz one of my favorite things that you do um I mean, I, there's there's so many of them, Fred. Oh, but there's, thanks. but um, is involves accents and involves um, not just language. Obviously, I think probably every comedian has to navigate language as the tool of their trade. But it's so funny because you're so good at finding what is funny about the accent. But so, what is that? Is that where you're translating what's funny about some other culture to us? Hopefully, hopefully, it's yeah. translating what's funny about another culture or how another culture sees us. Yeah. Um, to how another another country might hear what what our English sounds like to them, I think is funny. Um, like I lived in um, Brazil when I was a kid, and I would speak English, you know, like American English, and they would make fun of us, the Americans, and they'd go like They'd hear us talking, and that's how they heard it. Barfal or dribble or Like, do you ever- was like? offended but then i was delighted i was like oh what that's not how we sound and then i guess it is how we sound or like when british people try and do an american accent not like the good ones that you can't tell that they're british sometimes yeah it's fun i like hearing the ones you can't do it how they they keep saying yeah man yeah man yeah man (laughs) but it's funny because then it makes me realize because i my whole life have done terrible british accents like how bad must that sound to them it must sound terrible i i think even the best of us they must be like that is not what we sound like Oh. Same goes for Australian, New Zealand. I can't figure out the South African English accent. That's so difficult. It's really it's a weird so accent. So strange, right? yeah. I can't wrap my head around it. I can't dissect it. I can't it every time I mean it's it's a fascinating accent. Well and and the fact that it's South African, there's a lot packed in there, right? Just a lot of Dutch and German and Yeah. I mean, who knows what? I mean, someone knows what. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's really, really cool. So you, but you, I, I don't, 
I don't want to ask for like the, all the biographies. I don't mind. Stuff, you can but, ask whatever you want. Well, I nothing just, is too boring. I just think it's super cool that you you wound up in Chicago as a young adult, right? Mm, yes. Because you see the thing that. Uh, isn't buried about you but the thing that i think is just so cool is that you started and spent a lot of years sort of doing what i was doing in the early 90s just being a mu- musician in, yeah. in terrible conditions and bands and yeah. backstages and lounge acts in the basement with the beer kegs yeah yeah and did you just crack up your bandmates all the time and it felt fun i, I we cracked to... each other up okay um you know when it's like being on tour you just have so many inside jokes and they were funny and I, we didn't have anyone with us on tour. We would just be the four sure. of us. And we just really made each other laugh. This is trench mouth? Yeah. Okay. And how, um, how long? You'd like two or three years of hardcore touring with them? Maybe more. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of touring. But, you know, sometimes I'll say it was so hard and it was so terrible. But my memory is actually that we had a great time. Yeah. Even when we played to Nobody... There's no other opportunity where I would see Lincoln, Nebraska or St. Paul or these really great places that I don't, you know, it's music that brought me there. Yeah. And you're really seeing them, right? You're seeing, you're not seeing the Four Seasons lobby. Not that I'm saying that's your life now or, or even my life, but that's. But I, yes, but you do get to see like, I think that seeing music venues is like the best part of a city. It's the best thing to see like these places where bands play. And you still do that, right? You still go see rock shows when you can? I do. I I thought I stopped and then I kept going. <laughs> but I just keep going to see shows because I'm like, I think part of it is that I don't want to miss out on anything. So, yeah, I get my ear, earplugs and go and, and see bands. Um, you do a bit in Stand Up for Drummers, which which I, I really I really love it. And I feel like... I, I, when I first saw it, I was like, well, this is just for us. You know, like, yeah. how did he release this on a broad scale? But, um, but then I've talked to non-musicians. Apparently they like it too. But, oh, um, but I really, there's a bit that I really love where you talk about different kinds of music. And you say, when I listen to this, it makes me feel like, and then it's mostly nonverbal. And the, the one that I keep thinking about is, um, what's the Bayou music where they're, oh, um, uh, Zydeco Creole, music. or Zydeco, Zydeco music. And, um, and and the your your reaction to it is sort of like a nonplussed kind of like uh, I, I don't know what to do exactly so i'm sure for some people it's like oh my god this is what i dance to so i don't mean it personally no. against them it's not even against zydeco but for me when i hear that tempo and that rhythm it doesn't work it makes me stand still i just wasn't raised on it nothing against it i just don't i'm paralyzed yeah. it's so festive that sometimes when music is that festive i feel left out yeah is all so i'm just like to me that music says i'm like okay go ahead and have your party you seem to be having fun (laughs) i don't think you would have made anybody feel bad but the thing that i kept thinking about it was you're sort of talking about like the utility of the music the what like to whom is it useful like to like i don't know what to do with this music and um it's like even with this dumb podcast like i just really i keep thinking about what are these things we make and who finds them useful and and what like when you were growing up the things that spoke to you musically or or in terms of comedy mm-hmm. like what what was it doing for you like what do you think you were lonely were you sad oh, man what were those it... things doing for me sometimes that stuff is so powerful that it just makes you happy to be alive it is like so you're growing up or when one is growing up and you see something that makes you laugh 
you, I actually felt like, ah, it's good to be in this world. It's great that I'm in this moment and I live here. I get to have a TV. And um, it actually, I think for a lot of kids, makes you aspire to be the same thing. Like, oh, I think it'd be nice if I got to do the same thing. But speaking of Zydeco music, just to go back a little, I just thought that maybe one function is I think people on vacation, it helps them realize that they're on vacation. So maybe they're from somewhere else and they go to New Orleans or something. And then when they hear that music, they're like, oh, I'm really on vacation. We really went someplace else. It's a musical cue. It's a musical cue. It's a little like permission. Like, yes, you are on, you're visiting Louisiana. Like when you go to Key West and they put on Jimmy Buffett. Yes. Yes, here we are. We are now. Parrot We're heads. here. Where's my drink? Yeah. Or um, I'm trying to think what else would be like that. I guess if you went to Germany and you heard like umpa music at a beer fest or something, you know. Well, there's it's, it's funny because I, I thought about this while, and this is something I can talk about your show forever without any spoiler fear. There's um, the music is really beautiful, and especially in the whole opening sequence, which is um, a long wordless sequence. Oh yeah, yeah, it's really beautiful, and. Oh, um, yeah. I don't know. I was trying to, as I was watching it, I was trying to imagine if it would be as moving without the music. I mean, it's clearly it wouldn't be, right? Because that's the whole no, point. No, music, you know, it just changes everything. It just really, when it's done well, it's just, oh my God. It's a, To me, it's what makes things emotional. Yeah. It's, it's like it's the one thing that you can experience whilst doing other things, right? Yeah. I could also kill something. Sometimes when they overdo it, I'm like, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> why yes i get it yeah i know it's sad and they just over sadden the music or that i'm not crazy about yeah yeah or um, they'll do like a rock and roll song where i'm like i've heard this song a billion times you don't have to put it into this i overheard a barista um on the in the at the bus station yesterday morning and he was telling his fellow co-worker he's like you know whenever i think of the vietnam war i just think of credence <laughs> <laughs> How much do they have to? I bet you, Credence, for every documentary, they've got to give permission. They're like, here's another Vietnam documentary. Yes, okay, yes, yes, sure, use it. Like, has anybody gotten richer than John Fogarty's first no, manager? Just from that war. Yeah. I wonder what the economics are, what the math is for musicians who have made money off of Vietnam documentaries. Because also, probably, don't you want somebody to. I don't know. We don't have permission to use music on this, but. Uh, Maybe, um, yeah, Jefferson Airplane. Sure. I mean, there's another one. What's the time? Is the season? Who does the zombies? The zombies, yeah. How did I? I'm so sorry. No, I no, know. no. We all love the zombies. But that's the one song where you're like, yeah, I maybe don't listen to that zombie song. It's kind of, it's, oh, okay. They are great. I, I will say the They're the, my, one of my favorites, Odyssey and Oracle, right? They're, um, I feel like the zombies, uh, they keep having surprise songs that I didn't know was them. Yeah. I'm like, that's them? But time of the season isn't necessarily one of them. I got in. I was on tour with Steve Earle in Europe, and I, he. I thought he was going to punch me out because he. Uh, we we're talking about Highway sixty one, Bob Dylan, seminal album. I found it from Michael Stipe talking about it on the best his favorite records list, and I said, "Yeah, but you know what? I always skip track one, um, which is you know the six minutes of uh, um, whatever. It's the, the like a Rolling Stone, and I go well because I've heard it enough. And he goes, I would never skip track one. And he just like bowed up and he like stood up and walked away. And I thought, oh my God, he's going to kick my ass because I said I've heard like a Rolling Stone enough. Haven't we all? 
I mean, is that a thing? I agree with that kind of thing. There's some songs that, no matter how good they are, have just been played too many times. I cannot even connect to them anymore. I think a lot of Motown is like that. Or like, uh, how great is Motown? I It is the best music. But I'm like, after a while, heard it through the grapevine, all these songs where I'm just like, I have heard it so many times that it, it no longer Works. has an effect. I think Satisfaction. Yeah. How can I, you know, I think some Eric Clapton songs are like that too. I'm just like, I've just... Uh, you know, there's only so much I can hear it. Do you get, so you, you play drums with Seth on that show, mm-hmm. which has got to be kind of fun, right? Oh, it's great. Cause you, it's not all on you. It's sort of what you're talking no, about with no, Los no. Scaries. It's, 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 you know, it's, there's a monologue, there's guests. So it's nice to, it doesn't rely on the band at all. And do you do, cause I know you can play guitar and yeah, yeah. I play guitar and some bass. Do you, um, do you ever end up like writing songs? They'll, well, we write songs for the show. Oh, really? They're just little instrumentals. Sure. They're 30 seconds. Bumper. And then um, I'll write some parody songs, you know, fake band songs. Yes. Yeah. For like Documentary Now. Or, yes, that was or so Or SNL. Good. I'll just do fake ones. Sure. But that seems to be where I have the ability to to write music, really. I, I I think I never was meant to write real songs, you know, I just that, which is fine by me because other people can do it. <laughs> But um, it's always been parody and little short pieces. When you were doing the thing where you transitioned, um, was it quick? Did it feel quick? Was there a moment like where you went back to your band and you were like, guys. Oh, going from music to comedy? Yeah, yeah. I very quickly. The band had already broken up and I was playing for uh, a bunch Langford? of other bands and then also Blue Man Group. Yeah. And then I did this video. This is 1998. And I played it at Lounge Axe. Mm-hmm. And just by showing it at Lounge Axe, by the way, it sounds like I'm bragging. I'm just telling my story. I don't mm-hmm. want you to be like, and I did this. And I'm I played begging guitar. for it. Yeah. Um, but we <laughs> showed it at Lounge Axe and they wrote an article about it in the reader and people turned out for it. What was the video? Fred Armisen's Guide to South by Southwest. Just me interviewing okay. bands and doing like little comedy things. And immediately that's where my comedy career started so really it was like a, a leapfrog for music you kind of used the music i mean and for those of you i don't know i'm looking at the camera sorry for those of don't you look at the camera. <laughs> oh. ruined it. Um, if you're just listening to the podcast there are cameras in the room fred and i are trying not to look at them yeah south by southwest is a music industry uh convention that started in the late 80s um, it's in Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas, and and a lot. There's a lot um, that gets talked about with musicians about how it's you know where it went wrong or when it got too mm-hmm. big or now it's getting small. Whatever. It's musicians love to talk about this. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's fantastic. It's it, and it's great. I, I'm. It's. I think it's probably because I'm a musician. I and I just I love and I'm obsessed with so many of the things you do where you make fun of of my business. And I think it's super fun. Um, Jan Sinemann. Yeah. Yeah. The, so, um, you made a video, a DVD um, of drum instruction, of drum instruction. And it's so earnest. And, um, every drummer I know, um, we just quote it and crack up about it, but I'm assuming you have 47 toms. Um, yeah. Like how much do you live with that stuff? Cause people, the, the, the quoting thing happens a lot. I'm sure. Do, do you always remember these? I mean, is this something you live with? And like, if somebody walks up to you and says, I'm sure you have 47 toms, do you know that, oh, I wrote that. That's something that I said. Uh, only in their demeanor. 
Okay. So yeah, I could just tell that, you know, but I don't remember really saying it, but yeah. Uh, yeah, someone will say something in a certain way and I'll be like, oh, they're referring to Jens Hanneman. I was just obsessed with drum instruction DVDs back whenever that was, mid-2000s, early 2000s, where they just show you, you know, what the foot pedal is doing and what the hands are doing. and <laughs> It's its own form of music. Like, that music only exists in those videos. That sort of complex, you know, like very uh, meant for drums only. Yeah. But... um. You taught me something when we did our video together um, where I had to sit next to you while you were improving, And for an hour, I was trying desperately not to break. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I asked you at one point between takes, how do, you, how do you deal with that? And I think there's a larger issue where it's like, how do you stay in the moment? How do you not see yourself as an um, outside part? Like, I think what happens when, I, when I'm sitting next to you and you're being so funny and I'm trying to play a character, but I'm also like, like up in the corner of the room watching you be so funny. And so part of my mind just wants so badly to be the audience in that moment. Um, how do you find a way to be in the moment? You, you, well, you told me, look at like the corner of the glasses, oh, yeah, just yeah. focus on the corner. Yeah. Sometimes so, if, I, if I'm about to laugh, I just will look at one object and you know, some maybe close to someone's face. So I'm not like, I don't see their face really, but it could be tough sometimes. There are times where it's been too hard to not laugh. And I guess I guess I was trying to find a larger connection between sort of that not breaking and also the kind of the idea of being in the moment while you're acting or creating or something is like, is, do you find yourself kind of in a meditative state when you're doing No, and I wish I did, but I kind of, I don't, think too deeply about it and i actually do sometimes think of it as like well how can i be convincing in this moment so if i'm doing an impression i'm like oh, i'll just try to be convincing doing this impression so it sounds like that person or if i'm if it's more like of an acty thing i'll just think oh, i hope that this is convincing but i'm actually i don't get lost in the moment like i get such a thrill out of being in show business that when I hear action, even when I'm acting, I actually could see the cameras. I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. I'm really on the set. And <laughs> there's a director and they have, you know, we're in Los Angeles in the soundstage. So I haven't really found that spot where I can really get lost in the moment. I actually am very aware and I think all I have to do is just try to be convincing. Um, I talked with Roseanne Cash about this idea. And it's something that I think about all the time and I find that a lot of people in our job do. Um, the idea that the voices in your head that can be really negative. And for some reason, I imagine um, the time I've spent around you, I imagine that you don't have those like some people, but that sort of imposter syndrome, that fear of fraudulence or perceived fraudulence or the voices telling you that you're not good enough. Why are you do like, why do you keep doing this? Is this something you've ever battled? No, I think that might've been the good thing about being in this band that, for lack of a better description, didn't make it, right? So we stayed at this level that was just like exactly the same while all my friends got more and more famous and they played bigger and bigger venues and we just were in this one zone, freezing, freezing, opening up the van and taking up my drums and that every little bit of it still, it's already been 20 years or something like that, but like I, every bit of it seems like icing on the cake. 
everything seems like I cannot believe. I was just packing my drums, and now I get to do this. So it's all lucky breaks all the time. So it's like the all, all of the work you did, like it transfers, like the credits transfer. The credits like, transferred, and then I'm so glad that I, I, I'm not doing that, that I'm like, you know... <laughs> Um, you know, when I went to go audition for SNL, that was like that. I was like, well, I, I have nothing to lose. This, this is, you know, this moment is just like, I, even being at the studios at SNL, that's way, way much higher than when I was, you know, playing clubs with, with the band. Not that that wasn't fun, but it's just incredible. It's insane to be in the room. And you did it for a long time. I mean, you... Oh, a long time, yeah. So the, the level of dues paying that goes on. Oh, yeah. That's pretty sweet. Do you yeah. stay in touch with those guys? Yeah. Damon, uh, the singer, still does some artwork for Portlandia and stuff. So I'm friends with a lot of, you know, people I was friends with in, when I lived in Chicago for a while. You know, Sue from Lounge Axe. Yeah. Steve Albini and his wife, Heather. And I, I had friends that. that just went and made a record with Steve Albini and they, they were so, the record sounded great, of course, but they were so excited and they all came back with their Albini impressions and their Albini stories. And Steve Albini is a famous Chicago record producer who made a lot of the records that everybody has loved over the years. Boy, they had the wedding present record records that he made sea monsters. I don't know if you were ever a fan of that band from Leeds, the wedding. Oh, they, present. Yeah, they're great. Oh my God. So good. Yeah. Um, so, if you were to run across a version of yourself, like a 21-year-old version of you, yes, n- but working now, not back in the day, um, and, and you were to give yourself some advice, I mean, I know this is a cheesy interview type it's not question. A che- <laughs> I don't mind it at all. But yeah, what, what, um, I would say, first of all, don't worry. It's going to be okay. Take your time. There's no, you know, mad rush to get to where you're going to be. Because, you know, I was 32 or something when I started doing comedy. So it's like, just be patient. Did you ever feel a rush? Uh, Towards the end of when I was in a band. I still felt like I was, like, getting older. And I could see there's another band I saw where the drummer, I saw him walking down the street. I was like, oh, I don't want to be like that guy. I want to avoid that. Yeah. You know, just getting older and, like, not just not being anywhere yet. And I would, I would just tell myself to just be patient, relax. And I I would also say food wise, like (laughs) stay away from soda. Like I really drank Coke and, you know, soft drinks so much. I'd be like, that's not, you know, that's not the way to be. Um, There's just a lot of like, I just think I ate carelessly I would get my wisdom teeth out. I never did. You never did? No, I was too scared. And I was now I'd go back and go, get your wisdom teeth out. You just go do it. It's not that scary. Um what else? Um I would yeah, there's a million things. But because I, I, I was gonna say like I would try to learn more. I would try to I would have tried to be a roadie for another band. I wish that I wasn't so self-centered in my, like, my band, my band, we're going to make it. I should have toured with another band doing merch, doing drum tech, just to experience it without ego of, like, because it's like a political movement, like, we're going to, then we're going to get signed, and then we're going to, like, it would have been fun, I think, to have done merch for 
Sebado. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, yeah. Back I, in the day. I'm just trying to think of bands who uh, w- would have been fun, you know, or stereo lab or somebody like go on tour, but it doesn't have to be all about you. Wasn't, uh, wasn't that the Noel Gallagher thing? Didn't he go out with some, one of those British bands that preceded Oasis? That I didn't know. I about. think he was a guitar tech for one of those big bands. That's something to do. I think that's, you learn a lot and you know, I was a side man in a band called Killbilly, and we came through. We played lounge acts, but I'm about Killbilly. Yeah, so I was I was never on a record with Killbilly, but I toured for two years. Yeah, and they just wanted a younger guy, but I learned so much. And it's like you're saying, it wasn't my band, so I didn't have to live and die by the yes. audience reception or whatever. No ego. Yeah, yeah so- I, I wish I had done some more of that kind of stuff. Boy, it's it's really it's true. It's like all the experiences and. Yeah. I think maybe, do you feel like it was lucky that it that maybe it took till you were 32 just because you got to do so much without the maybe weight of cele- oh my celebrity God. or whatever? I, th- I wouldn't change anything because that's what got me to where I am. I ended up on SNL just from, you know, all those experiences, all those people I met, something worked out. So I wouldn't change anything. So I... Sometimes I listen to music now and I go, oh, I wish I was in that band. And then I'm like, no, it's good. It's good that it, <laughs> it, things are as, as they should be. Like I felt that way about Jesus Lizard. I'm like, oh, that would oh. great. Can you imagine being in Jesus Lizard? And, David Yao watching his yeah. ass all night long. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, but their drummer was great and they've, it, it worked out for them and it worked out for me. So now I can, I can listen to bands now so much easier because I was so – envious of all these other bands and now i could listen to everybody but i can't think of anybody who's gotten to jump around more i mean between between media but even just in different bands i mean you made a video with us you you know they're kings of leon stuff i mean oh i i get you set in with so many bands i have the luckiest i get to meet all my all of my heroes i've gotten to meet all of them that's pretty fun i mean oh, and, and you still feel to... it never feel you never get never gets old to you it's... never gets old never get i I pretend like my face is very like, hey, we're just hanging out and it's cool. But on the inside, <laughs> I can't believe it. Devo. Yeah. Uh, Paul McCartney. Sparks. Just the damned. Talking to the damned. Mm. I use this. Oh, my God. Bob Mould. Yeah. Talking to Bob Mould. I fake it so much. Like, hey, we're just buddies. But I sometimes I can't believe I'm looking into his eyes. Yeah. Who's could do? I mean, Man. That's so cool. Oh, I love that you. I love that you genuinely love it. And I think. I think. To what extent do you feel like really loving it makes it possible for you to persevere like you have? It. Um. It gives me faith. Uh-huh. You know, like now, uh, since it, it's almost like a message or, or something. You know, it's like, hey, these are your heroes, and you guys get to speak and have real conversations. So, it's like a message of like. It, you know, you're doing okay. You did, you, you made the right choices along the way. Yeah. That's what it feels like. Well, I definitely feel like you have, I feel so grateful that you do all these crazy things you do and that you're still such a swell guy. Thank you so much for being on my little podcast. Oh, geez. And I feel, you know, I feel bad because you've complimented me so much. I haven't Ugh. had a chance to do the same back. <laughs> and, you know, I wouldn't be here if I didn't think you're great. And, and, um, I love your company, and I'm glad we get to do stuff together. Thanks so much. More to come. More to come. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Fred. Thanks. All right. Thank you so much for listening to Wheels Off. Please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. That helps us appear higher in the search results and lets other folks know that it's a cool podcast to listen to. Also, 
As the kids say, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else that you listen to shows like this so that you never miss an episode. This has been Wheels Off, and I'm Rhett Miller, encouraging you to create every day. Thanks, y'all. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Grace Street.